Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sanity Sessions. I'm your host, Clint Sabom. And if you like our podcast, please spread the word, give us a review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast app you listen to, and that'll help us come up in the rankings and reach more people with the valuable insights we are sharing. And this podcast is both a mix of interviews and a mix of me just giving psychological insights. And today I'm doing an episode on the rational emotive behavior therapy of Albert Ellis. And this has influenced some past episodes I've already done. And it's also going to be pretty much the theme of a lot of the episodes that I do myself coming forward. And it's basically about disputing irrational beliefs that underlie our negative emotions like anxiety and depression and shame. And rational emotive behavior therapy um, started in the 1950s. Albert Ellis developed it in the mid-50s, and it was first called rational therapy. Then it later changed to rational emotive therapy. And then uh, lastly, uh, he revised the name to rational emotive behavior therapy because it has a behavioral component as well. So he continued to work on this um, from the 1950s into his death in 2007. So Um, And this has been highly influential. This was really kind of the first form of CBT and kind of where a lot of the cognitive behavior therapy uh, arose from. But this kind of predates it and predates Aaron Beck's cognitive therapy by a decade. And so that's some historical background Um, It's interesting and it's valuable, I think, because it does challenge a lot of psychoanalytic and psychodynamic theory that really emphasizes going back in the past. And I'm certainly not opposed to that. I've had some good guests that are pretty much uh, in that school of thought that have valuable things to say. I'm not necessarily in one camp versus another camp, as sometimes people in the psychological community tend to do. I'm basically pretty practical. Whatever works for you, do it. You know, whatever works, works. Um, There's a lot of different ways around anything. But with REBT, as it's called in short, I think it's a very valuable exercise and has been for me because it's disputed a lot of the beliefs underlying Uh, struggles that I've had personally with um, anxiety and depression, and it has really shifted things and opened up space, and it ultimately leads to an acceptance of life, an acceptance of life, an acceptance of self, an acceptance of others. So this basically leads towards acceptance, and it's kind of disputing the irrational beliefs that get in the way of us basically accepting life um, as it is, which is always imperfect. And it was influenced, um, Albert Ellis was influenced a lot by Stoic philosophers that believed it wasn't 
events that caused us to be upset. It was actually our beliefs about them and our thinking about them that caused us to be upset. And also some by Buddhism, you know, it's definitely got a lot of parallels to Buddhism as you go through this. So I think it's very valuable, and um, I think it's also necessary since there were some previous episodes. I did an episode on the power of imperfection, the myth of self-esteem, and reprogramming your personal history. And if you haven't checked out those, you can check out those. Those those three episodes that I've already done basically are, you know, influenced by REBT and kind of REBT techniques and insights. And a lot of the episodes that I'm going to be doing in the future are going to be different examples of core beliefs that uh, lead to negative feelings and core beliefs that block us from um, acceptance and peace of mind and happiness, which is ultimately the goal, in my opinion, to be happy and to be have peace of mind. And these techniques uh, work. So I'm just going to run through uh, a little bit of the basics here. There's an A, B, C, D, E, F, um, as it goes. And A is the adverse event. Whatever happens that seems like it's the event that causes you distress of some kind. And then there's B, that's our beliefs underlying our thinking about the event. And then there's C, the consequence, which is usually us feeling bad. And the key here is it's not necessarily A causing C. It's not necessarily the event causing us to feel bad. And um, this isn't invalidating that this doesn't happen. This happens to all of us. Um, The point is um, progress and working on it and that there is a middle step there between the event and our bad feelings about the event and that's our underlying core beliefs about the event and it's actually those beliefs that are causing us um, the most distress some events are just going to cause some stress i mean life is full of stresses but when it becomes debilitating distress it's almost always our beliefs that and our thinking about it that's getting in the way. And then you have D, which is the solution. And that's going to involve identifying what those core beliefs you have, which is a lot of should thinking. It's a lot of must thinking. You may have heard the phrase, don't should all over yourself or don't masturbate. And um, th- that's what we're talking about here. Um, And a lot of those beliefs are very rigid shoulds. And the D part is the disputing those, identifying what they are and continually disputing them rationally and really looking at them. And that is the process that takes time. And that's where a lot of the homework exercises come in, as Albert Ellis encouraged his clients to do homework with this A, B, C, D, E, and F, and continually dispute the beliefs that are underlying things. And when I mean continually, I mean like every day, continue to look at the beliefs that underlie, um, you know, what's causing your distress and continually 
dispute them with evidence to the contrary. And that's what, you know, my future episodes that are going to be dealing with this are going to look at different core beliefs that get in the way of our happiness and how to dispute them and what the evidence against those core beliefs actually is. Because the core beliefs are irrational. They don't really make sense. Uh, Hence, rational emotive behavior therapy. The idea is that these core beliefs are not rational. They're not the way life is, but we hold on to these irrational beliefs. And then E becomes the effective new philosophy. Um, Martin Seligman, a positive psychologist, called it the energization that kind of happens of disputing the beliefs, an effective new perspective and perhaps even, you know, um, F, which is feeling better, you know, feeling better than we were at point C. And we could still be stressed. It just may be, you know, the difference between having felt debilitating extreme anxiety and now we're just a little stressed out. It could be the difference between feeling deeply depressed and now just a little disappointed because, um, you know, there are going to be some hassles in life inevitably that are going to cause some stress and some disappointment and sadness, you know, feelings don't go away. It's just that when they're extreme and they're debilitating and they're getting in the way of us even functioning, that's when challenging these core beliefs is helpful. So there's basically three types of core beliefs um, that are underlying most people. And the core beliefs I'm going to be looking at in future episodes are going to be variations of these three types, and they involve self, others, and life conditions. So I'm going to quote from Albert Ellis directly here, but the first core belief that's common Um, involves your perspective on yourself. And it is, I absolutely must, under practically all conditions and at all times, perform well or outstandingly well and win the approval or complete love of significant others. If I fail in these important and sacred respects, that is awful, and I am a bad, incompetent, unworthy person who will probably always fail and deserves to suffer. So you can see there's a lot of perfectionism, a lot of pressure put on ourselves. And when inevitably we're fallible human beings, we get upset. But it's that belief that we must always perform well and win the approval of others that's actually upsetting us. And holding this can lead to anxiety, it can lead to panic, depression, despair, feelings of worthlessness, and really make us miserable. The second core belief, or irrational core belief, that people can hold, um, some variation of this, involves other people. And again, I'll quote from Ellis directly, other people with whom I relate or associate absolutely must, under practically all conditions and at all times, treat me nicely, considerately, and fairly. 
Otherwise, it is terrible, and they are rotten, bad, unworthy people who will always treat me badly and do not deserve a good life and should be severely punished for acting so abominably to me. And holding this, you could see, would lead to a lot of anger and rage and frustration and fury and vindictiveness and resentments. Um, and it could also, you know, those two first two irrational core beliefs could go together, you know, and could be interwoven. You're not winning the approval of others and, you know, you're, you're angry at them for it and you're angry at yourself. So those two could go together. And the third uh, irrational core belief, and remember the irrational core beliefs are some variation of these, you know, so these can take in very different forms depending on the situation. But the third one involves the conditions of life. And again, I'll quote from Ellis, the conditions under which I live absolutely must at practically all times be favorable, safe, hassle-free, and quickly and easily enjoyable. And if they are not that way, it's awful and horrible and I can't bear it. I can't ever enjoy myself at all. My life is impossible and hardly worth living. And this can lead to frustration, a low frustration tolerance, discomfort, self-pity, anger, depression, anxiety, and avoidance, procrastination, and even addiction. You know, in a sense, addiction is wanting things to feel good and go well all the time. And of course, they're not going to because uh, that's not the way life is. And so we reach for the bottle to give us a sense of feeling better. So you could see how that could lead to addiction. So again, these irrational core beliefs are some variation of that. And they have to do with really a sense of perfectionism and shoulds and must that we put on self, others, and life. And I'm going to be going through different examples of these in future podcasts. So I just thought it was a good idea to do an episode introducing rational emotive behavior therapy. There's some good stuff online about it. And it's just a very powerful tool to use. The disputing has really helped me and it's helped. It's helped thousands. There's tons of clinical research backing this up. This isn't some sort of just self-help fluff of, uh, you know, some new trick. There's plenty of research backing up that this process of going through the A, B, C, D, E, and F that I went through in this episode, there's plenty of research backing up that it does work and it can help. And sometimes even in a short period of time, sometimes just doing the disputing of your irrational core beliefs every day for a month could shift some people greatly. And sometimes it doesn't even take that long. Um, you know, sometimes it just depends how deeply embedded our core beliefs are. And even with trauma, there's core beliefs around trauma, you know, even though it feels like just visceral bodily response, there's actually beliefs underpinning it. So basically challenging them in this disputing process of REBT can be quite effective. So anyways, hope you got some 
out of that. And I appreciate you for listening and uh, hope you have a good day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.